Thank you, Alex. Can everyone hear me? Oh, I can see why you think, why Monsignor thought you couldn't hear him. It's weird. Have a little Well, um, I say thanks for having me, but it's my office. And I, I organized my own, my own talk, and I'm thinking to myself, why did I put myself after Monsignor Pope? I'm like, hello? Anyway, um, and I'm also laughing at this morning because uh, when Father said, you just kind of, you pray, I prayed assiduously over this talk, prayed for all of you, but I didn't, I could not get my hands around it, what it was going to look like. And this morning as I'm brushing my teeth, thought after thought after thought is coming to my mind. So um, we will just see what happens here with this, um, with this talk. But uh, so I, okay, listening to Monsignor, I'm like, oh, he touched on a number of things, and so I'm going to skip over maybe some of them. But um, when I was first praying about this talk, the thing that came to me was from Genesis that said, um, the Lord then called to the man and asked him, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And I think that this is sort of the crux of original sin, and this is at the heart of the problem of marriage, is that there has been a rupture because of original sin, and we not only hide from God, but husbands and wives, they hide from one another. You know, it's so funny, I was thinking of the rupture, and um, this is a little tangent, but I, I remember seeing the picture of the women from Ireland in glee, jumping up in the air because abortion is now legal in Ireland. And I, and I, and I, I just, I want to look at the women and I want to go, oh, please take it to its logical extreme. You're jumping up and down, we're good because you can, I can kill my baby. And I'm thinking, what happened in the relationship between the man and the woman and you, she, to look at the man and say, I do not trust you at all. I trust you so little that I have to jump up and down because I now have a right to kill my immortal child because I need it. I need to be able to kill my child because you are not my protector and you are not my defender and you are not my friend. And I thought, gosh, it just struck me in relationship to this talk. but. So what do we need more than anything? We need, at the bar, what Father was saying, that we need that yearning. From, from We cry out to be known. We want to be known. We want to know God. We want, to know, we, want, we want God to reveal our true selves to ourselves. And we want to know, in marriage, you want to know your spouse. I want to be known. I want to be called by name in marriage. And in order to do that, we have to pray. And, and I like it too, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning, I have a couple friends here today, very dear friends, and they're all major prayers. And I'm like, what are you doing coming to this talk? Anyway, but it's a little intimidating. Anyway, we were talking about just the fact that prayer is relationship. And you know, it's so easy to say, I, I don't say, oh my gosh, I wanna, I wanna go pray. It, it just sounds like a task. But if I say, I wanna grab hold of my wife's hand, and I want to go visit the Lord today. I want to go spend some time with the Lord, the giver of all good gifts. It's a much easier, it's much easier on, on the palate. Um, and I think that, you know, here Jesus is, and what does Jesus do? Jesus comes and he restores. He restores your union. 
And he reminds us that the two become one flesh. He says to us, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. I don't know if you ever pondered that reality, but I, do, I thought that was a great image when Father said, you know, just say to, to your spouse, if they say, I'm going to leave you, you say, that's great, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming along. Because there is something so profound in joining flesh, you have now become a mystical union. I mean, no, only God can do that. I mean, so miraculous. You are one flesh in the Lord. And I, I, I challenge you to ponder on what that means for you. What does that look like? Nowhere else, there's no other relationship like it. No other relationship like a husband and a wife. And the two that become one flesh. And they need to be rowing together. Because it's very difficult when one piece of your flesh is going this way and the other's going that way. So, um, Jesus... Jesus comes and he restores that union broken that makes us think we have to be suspicious of the other. <clears throat> you know, I, I often do, you know, in, in Job, when they say, uh, did you ever notice, and maybe you have, I, I had to hear someone say this, but the Lord says to the devil, you can, you can do whatever you want to Job, but you can't hurt his person. You know, his children died, everything went wrong, but even Mrs. Job, Mrs. Job did not die. And why didn't she die? Because she's part of his flesh. She was part of that promise. So united are you. And I, I, we had a, a co-worker the other day, and he said, oh, yeah, I, ha I had to call 911 because the guy next door had a car fall in his hand. And uh, the woman said, he said, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the wife comes running up. She wasn't at home, and she said, I, I knew something bad happened to you. I knew it. I could feel it in my bones. And she ran home. He had, had, his hand was crushed, and she knew it, and she felt it. But in order to pray together, we need a safe place. And in order for husbands and wives to pray together, they need a safe place. And we have a couple books out there by Deacon James Keating. Uh, he wrote a book on spousal love. And you can take them. Um, I, I don't know how many, I don't know where Alex is, but I don't know how many books do we have out there. Uh, a handful of them. Just the ones on spousal love. We're taking the other ones back. You can look at them. But if you want one of the ones on spousal love, um, please feel free to take it by Deacon James, James Keating. It's just very, um, it's on spousal prayer. I'm sorry. Um, very simple. But um, in his book, he wrote... Mature communion depends on emotional and spiritual safety. In, an, uh, in a faithful, committed marriage. So to overcome the suspicion, we need the promise of fidelity. We, we, I need to know, uh, you know, I, I need to know that my spouse has my back, is in my corner. You need to know your, your spouse has your back and is in your corner. And that's the place when we know that they're, that they're there, when we know we have that unconditional love, then we're free to be our authentic selves and to reveal the deepest part of who we are. But we must have the safety in order to be able to do that. It gives us the courage to speak the truth without fear of abandonment. And every one of us needs, needs that, especially in a spousal relationship of 
you see everything, you see my ugliness, you see the times I'm in a bad mood, you know, and, and, and yet you still say, I'm here for you, and I'm going to love you, and we need that. And I, I thought there was a great example of a priest who I know. He said that a couple gave, came and gave their witness when he was in seminary, and the wife had been abused, and her father had abandoned the family. And they said, boy, we really struggled at the beginning because she sabotaged, sabotaged, sabotaged the relationship. And finally, she said, this was the turning point. One day, he came up to her, he looked at her, and he pointed at her, and he said, you will never break my will to love you. You will never break my will to love you. And guess what happened? Their relationship completely changed. And you know, that's the same thing the Father utters to us. You will never break my will to love you. <clears throat> okay, so once, once we find that safe place, I think that another thing that's essential to our marriage would be the repentance and forgiveness. Can't just be forgiveness because someone's got to be sorry. So, um... We're forever just being reminded of what, of what Jesus did for us. And we cannot be like the stingy, the stingy man who owed so much and he came to the Lord and said, Oh, forgive me, forgive me to the king. And the king says, Yes, yes, I will forgive you in scripture. And then he turns around to the next guy and exacts a debt. How much more so husbands and wives cannot exact that they have to be they have to be beyond generous with their forgiving. Beyond generous. Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. Always forgiving. Generosity, not stinginess. Sister Breach McKenna, Faith Healing Nun, I don't know if you know her. She's incredible. She just um, she goes around the world. She she prays over people. She had so many um, healings through her intercession. But spiritual healings as well as physical healings. As a matter of fact, she's going to be at the women's conference next year, and she's also going to have the night before the women's conference, which is March 2nd, little commercial break, uh, on March 1st at All Saints, we're going to have a healing service for families. So um, please put that on your calendar because she's just, what a gift she has. But anyway, she tells a story. This man came to her, young, professional, handsome handsome man came to her in tears she's in Florida and um, basically said sister I need you to pray for me he said I, I came home from work early last week and um, the phone rang and I picked it up and my wife was already on it and um, she was making a date to see a man and um, he said uh, I tried to talk to her about it, but she wouldn't talk to me about it, and I don't know what else to do. So every week, he drove to see Sister Breach, and he would pray before the Blessed Sacrament, he would pour himself out, and eventually, ten months later, he called Sister Breach and he said, I, I just want to thank you for your prayers, the, the affair is over. Now this is heroic virtue, this is heroic virtue. The prayer, the, the affair is over, and um, we're going to make it work. So thank you for your prayer. About three months after that, she got a phone call, and um, 
she didn't get a phone call. Actually, she was brushing her teeth, and she said, you've got to call so-and-so. She's like, okay. So she calls him, and he said, oh, sister, I was going to call you today. He said, I need you to pray again. Please pray. He said, something's happened, and I can't tell you what it is. But if the Lord reveals it to you, and she said, and I instantly, I instantly heard in my heart, uh, my wife, his wife is pregnant, and it's not his child. And she, uh, she turned to him and she said, what are you going to do about it? And he said, what can I do? With what the Lord has forgiven me, I forgive it, and I'm going to raise the child as my own. So please, please pray that it looks like me. You know, sister ran into them about seven years later at a football game, and he said he, she saw the man holding the, holding the hand of the seven-year-old beautiful little girl, and she heard the Lord say to her, you know, it was the grace of the sacrament and his perseverance in prayer that saved their marriage. And, you know, he said to Breach, he said, you know, sister, he goes, I took my wife for granted and I didn't realize it. So I was complicit in taking her for granted, certainly didn't defend what she did. But through the grace of the sacrament, through his assiduous prayer, that marriage was healed. And I, I think that that's just an important thing to always keep in mind. Generosity, generosity, generosity. So um, there's many obstacles to prayer. Uh, as Father said, you feel uncomfortable. It's too intimate. I always love this one. In college, people are dating, they're sleeping together, and you suggest that they pray together, and they're like, what? Oh, we can't pray together. It's too intimate. I'm like, you're sleeping together for crying out loud. But we all know that physical union is just taken for granted. It's like shaking hands. And it's not until you pray together that you can really realize the meaning and the depth of your physical intimacy. So you can say many things. Okay, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know how, as Father said, and I just think he did a great job in, say, in, in reminding us that it has to be simple. It's friendship. Um, but oftentimes it's sin. It's sin that keeps us from praying. It's sin and our brokenness and our fear. I'm going to be known, all those things we talked about earlier. And, you know, it's so funny. Did you, I, someone gave me a statistic at work the other day that basically said marriages of people that pray together fail only 0.6% of the time. I think that's a Scott Hahn figure. Figure. Um, but uh, so if you pray together, you have a, according to Scott Hahn, a zero, a 0.06% chance that your marriage will fail. I mean, those are great odds. I you know, how can we, how can we not want to pray together? And I think, and I agree with Father, you know, start small and work up. <laughs> um, because when you make a commitment to prayer, and you do have to make a commitment to be with the Lord, as he said, the demons will show up. Because let's face it, your marriages are low-hanging fruit for demons. I mean, oh my gosh, suspicion, um, annoyances. I used to have one of this priest say, you know, he would say he would pray with uh, couples. And he, and, and he said, oh, it would be, I'd be in marriage prep. And, and the guy would say, oh, I would die for her. And, and she'd say, and I would die for him, Father. And he said, and I'd look at him and I'd go, Oh, that's very beautiful. Would you pick up his dirty socks off the floor every day? How about that? Would you do that? Okay. What do they call marriage? Death by a thousand paper cuts? Or that's probably too negative for this talk. But anyway. 
And you know, he says to uh, him, "Will you put up the toilet? Will you put up the toilet seat or put down the toilet seat every time you use it for her?" I mean, that's the reality of marriage, right? Not uh, you know, anyone can be a martyr. I'm like, yeah, I can be a martyr too. A bullet to the back of the head when I'm not looking. I'm like, yeah, that's good. I'll, I'll be martyred in that way, no problem. But um, I, I do have to laugh, and not because it's, it's really not funny, but I do think that Satan comes along. You guys recognize it. Say to yourselves, we're gonna, if you're going to commit to pray, you can be sure that the evil one is going to be there trying to break up your marriage. And he's got the same old tactics. So if you see things try, starting to go wrong, if you feel irritable, if you, oh my gosh, you're being tempted. Because here's the thing. Husbands and wives, you are never one another's enemy, ever. You know, it's easier for, you know how people go to war and they, they say they bind, bond together in their foxholes because they, they see the enemy and they fight together? Well, you have an enemy and it's Satan. You are not one another's enemy, ever, ever. He's the one trying to break you up because you're trying to get to heaven and you're trying to get your families to heaven with you. And he does not want that. And look, it's not so much you he hates, and he does hate you, but he hates God. And you're who God most loves. And he wants to destroy what God most loves. So be sure and be there and rebuke it. Say it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm a baptized Christian. I rebuke this action. I will, I, I, it's unacceptable to us. We will pray. We will persevere because God wants it and God is stronger than you. Um, and I you know, often think, too, could Eve not have in the garden? Could she just have turned around and said, hey, God, help me? I mean, the, the words that they use to describe the evil one in the garden are very frightening. But she didn't turn to God. And had she turned to God, what would he have done? He would have come along and squashed that bug. Because that's what God does for us. He wants us to turn to him. Just like little children. Father, come on in. This is too much for me. And he'll come in and, and, he'll, and he'll squash the bug for you. And, I, you know, honestly, there's nothing more irresistible to God than faith. You know, when you turn to God in faith as a marriage, he wants your marriage to work so much. When you turn as a couple in faith to him, it is so irresistible. He cannot help but pour himself out into your marriage. That's by nature who he is. He gives. He pours out. He loves. Look at the miracles in the, in the New Testament. When did those miracles had? When people, two times he uses the word, Jesus is astonished. One, he's astonished because of the, the faith of that centurion. Wasn't even a Jew. Centurion, because he had faith. And he worked that miracle right away. And then when the other time he was astonished? When he was in Nazareth. And he was astonished at their lack of faith. And no miracles happened in that town. So here's my thought. You know, when we're beginning to pray, expect miracles. Miracles happen all the time. God is alive. That, that's just, Jesus is alive. God is alive. And he is going to work miracles in your relationship. Expect it. And when you pray, I have a friend who used to say, he was a mystic, and we would get together for prayer, and he would say, hey, um, he would say, when we begin to talk about God, as, as, as our conversation tends more and more towards God, he said, I would see a light begin to envelop us. 
and a blueness that will shine around each one of us. It's so hilarious because everyone at the table will be like, hey, hey, Dan, do, do you see the light around me? I'm just, just curious. Is the light there around me? Okay, good, good. But, um, but he would often say it's a blue light, and he would often relate it to the Blessed Mother. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that. But that's what happens in our families. When we pray, there becomes, there's a protection around your house. A protection around your house. And I just want to say that because I'll add to that in one minute. So I'm just going to give um, 10, there'll be quick, 10 points, 10 little points about praying together as a couple. But number one, create a prayer space in your home if you don't already have one. Anybody here familiar with the Croatian marriage tradition? With the crucifix? So there's a town in Bosnia. I'm going to try the town, the name of the town. But um, they've not ever had a single divorce in their town. And when the young people get married, they bring with them a crucifix. And they carry it up to the altar, and they take the crucifix at some point in the ceremony, and they... He presses his right hand to the crucifix, and she presses her right hand to the crucifix. And the priest says a prayer over the two of them after he wraps his stole around their hands. And he says, you have found your cross to love and carry, never to be thrown away, but to be cherished. So in the United States... The tribunal officials got together and they did a study and they said that one of the reasons marriages break up in the United States is when the spouse no longer makes me happy. So if I depend on you for my happiness, as soon as you stop making me happy, I don't need you anymore, you're gone. Here we have, and you turn that around and you say in Croatia, in this town, they say, you're my cross. To be, and they were, they were a suffering people, a people who had been very much abused. But they say, you, you have found your cross to love, to carry, to never throw away, but to cherish. And their first kiss is to the cross. That's their first kiss. They take that crucifix home and they put it in a place in their home and that's the place they come to talk about their fears, their joys. Their That's where they meet the Lord and one another. It's a beautiful tradition, and I don't think we need to be married with it to go get a beautiful cross and to put it up. And, you know, I, if you have a ben St. Benedict crucifix that has the metal in it, there's so many promises that ward off evil. I, I just highly um, encourage you to get that crucifix and then to have those prayers said over by a priest. So... <clears throat> The second thing is always pray to the Holy Spirit to open up the lines of life and love between you and your spouse, to open those lines that can get thickened by sin. The Holy Spirit brings for you wisdom to want the things of heaven. He brings for you knowledge so that you can know God, know yourselves, and know your spouse. He brings with you an understanding of what it is the Lord is trying to teach you. And he brings with you courage, fortitude, counsel. 
to live the church's teachings, to live your vocation. He brings all those things and he makes your marriage holy. And he brings along a fear of ever offending God or as Father Monsignor said earlier, that awe-inspiring, oh my gosh, Lord, we're just kids, you're God, and you're going to help us. Um, third today, and this is, I'm going to have a little challenge in this part for you, is um, praying with scripture, passages from your favorite books, but first and foremost, praying with scripture, because obviously scripture is the word of God, and you cannot know God, let's say St. Jerome, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Jesus, is ignorance of God. So he's got a word for you in scripture for your marriage. Use that Bible. I would say, so today, we're going to have a holy hour. And this is my suggestion for you. And hopefully everyone at least has an iPhone so you can grab this to have a Bible. I would like for you to take five minutes and to um, open up your Bible. I want you to think of the passage and ask the Lord, pray the Holy Spirit first, that would be most appropriate for your spouse. Something maybe that your spouse is struggling with or your spouse needs to hear and give that after a couple minutes when you're thinking about this give that scripture passage to your spouse to read during the holy hour and then when you get back to leave when you get back in the car talk about it talk about what you each got what the word you heard from scripture was and also I encourage you to use scripture to put one another's names into scripture and to pray with one another like that you know um, and I, right, okay, right now I can't think of one scripture verse that I could say, um, you know, do not be afraid, you know, do not be afraid, Jeannie, God is with you, Bridget, say these things to your spouses, using their name, because there's power in your name, there's power in your name, and, uh, <clears throat> Pray the rosary. I'm going to encourage you to pray the rosary. And it, it, I, there, miracles do happen around the rosary, and miracles do happen around Our Lady. Do not say the rosary. Pray the rosary. And ask our Blessed Mother to give you her eyes to see. There is something very powerful in your relationship with the Blessed Mother. She's a mother. And her protection, which I'm going to say number um, five, is to consecrate your marriage to her and to St. Joseph. And to ask them to put their mantle around your house. To ask your guardian angels to protect your house. This is real. This is realer than what we've got, that other sphere. Angels have charge over principalities. They have charges over you. Every one of us has a guardian angel. Ask the angel to ask your angels to protect your family. To seal your house from the evil. You know, I. This is this is real. So it's a real battle going on, and so be be specific. Um, also, always, always, always remember to reveal your hearts to one another. That has to be part of a prayer life. It cannot just be you sit down, you kneel, you say the rosary, and you leave. There has to be a revealing of self as part of the prayer, and in any of these ways, you can add it. Um, and also, I think of Our Lady of Lepanto, you know, those, those, you could have a tiny little thing, and I, and I have so many miracle stories for those of you with the Blessed Mother, because miracles do happen, and I don't know what role she plays, I mean, I know it's a big one in salvation history, and I'm not here to talk theology, 
what that woman is the woman okay she's the mother of the Lord she's the mother of the king and she loves every single one of you as if you, you were her own child and every single one of your children as if she was your own child and she's there to save and to and to help your family so take it to Our Lady that's all I'm saying and to St. Joseph who is just a powerhouse in general okay go to mass together and I'm like you're like yeah right well, that's low-hanging fruit of course we do that but um, when you go to mass I'm just going to encourage you to bring your intentions with you if you don't already do that make sure that when you go to mass if anyone's heard of uh, there's, a, there's a woman called Catalina and she had the, the, the mass revealed to her by the Blessed Mother so basically during the mass the Blessed Mother walked through each stage of the mass with her and she described that point where everybody brings up their intentions and, and every one of our guardian angels going down the aisle during mass and some of some of the guardian angels didn't have anything in there on the patent that they were carrying up and the blessed mother said that's because they didn't bring any intentions with them to mass so be bold be courageous bring lots of intentions bring everybody you love it and make that but bring your bring your marriage and stick it in a chalice ask the Lord to cover it in his precious blood and pray for a word listen during the homily pray you know remember get a word get a word from the Lord in addition to the Eucharist which comes in to heal and to I mean the biggest miracle of all a little piece of bread changes into the body and blood of Jesus Christ we get to be there and we have the nerve to say yeah I was bored I was bored I'm sorry maybe you're missing something that little piece of bread is changing into God on the altar and you're bored I, I could say that to myself I mean, really. Um, I, one of the most powerful things I was ever, and I'll tie this to go to adoration together as a couple. And I also say this being respectful about where you all are on your journeys, not to force one another. Try to be generous with the other. Have the other lead the way. Try not to be stingy, but also try not to force people to do things. I mean, maybe some people are here today, they're like, oh my gosh, I had to go to this couple prayer thing. Anyway, be generous. Well, thank you, and God's going to bless you for that. Um, but um, you sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and I know we've all heard this, but you cannot fail to be changed. It's God. The most powerful thing was a simple thing I ever heard about Eucharistic Adoration, and actually it was about Mass. And this one woman had had this revelation in this prayer group I was in at a time when I wasn't really in prayer groups where people got revelations. But I'm like, oh, not that I mean prayer groups now where people get revelations, full disclosure. Um, but she said, this woman said, the Blessed Mother is telling me right now that you're about to go to Mass. Do you know what you're about to do? That is him. He sees you from there, he hears you from there, and he loves you from there. I was like, oh, why do I need to hear that? But I did. I did. That was the most, one of the most powerful things. Simplicity, most powerful things. Um, confession. Confession unburdens you, and it thins the wall, of, the thick wall of sin that comes between you and your spouse and between you and God. Go often. Go often and dump the sin. Dump the sin so you can be better lovers. <clears throat> we all have to do that. And then finally, I two, th two more final words, but the thank God in everything, that thank God always and everywhere, um, because that's what leads to joy. 
And even that, I'm not talking about that fake joy, I'm talking about the joy that comes deep within. And it is thanksgiving and gratitude for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and then finally, I just have one suggestion that and maybe some of you do this, but I don't, are, is anyone familiar with St. Ignatius' examine? So, right, so at the end of the day, it just might be something that you could do together. And I'm saying that not just, not just like you could do this seriously, sit down together, review your day-to-day, tell one another what gave you joy, what broke your heart. Um, what were you most grateful for? And I'm sure some of you already do this. What do you need to repent of? And then ask God for the grace to do better tomorrow. And ask him for specific graces. He wants to give you the graces to be better husbands and wives. And ask him for it. And, you know, demand it. It's, it's the promise of the sacrament. <clears throat> but, you know, if things get busy, you could do that as a family around your dinner table. You could do that at night. Maybe you already do it. But you could sit around and go to the kids. You, well, you know, I, I, I say, what, what happened today? I, I mean, what, what was the great thing that happened to you today? What was the thing that, that kind of broke your heart? Share that at, at table, and, and things bubble up as to what you need to repent of. So um, those are my ten little points. And um, in conclusion, just, just a cute little story that just kind of reminds me of being here. But another uh, a priest that I know was golfing with a man. And uh, the guy kept looking at his watch, and it was about, after nine holes, he looks at him, and, and the priest said, you got somewhere to be? And he says, oh yeah, Father. He said, I promised my wife, I gotta go, I gotta go uh, clean up the backyard because we're having a party tonight. He says, yeah, I always tell her, if it weren't for you, I'd be a better golfer. And then he said, and then, but he looked at the priest and he said, but you know what, Father? Because of her, I'm a better man. And so I say that to you all, to pray together so that you can say of your spouse, because, because of her, I'm a better man, and because of him, I'm a better woman. But thank you for your time, and uh, God bless you all.